This panel discussion was recorded at the Green Tribe Open Day on Sunday the 12th of September 2021 and using personal experiences we talk about the motivations of gardening in squatted spaces as well as some of the problems and solutions that we have encountered along the way. If you enjoy what you're listening to please uh, follow Soil Matters on your favourite podcast platform and please, um, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please rate Soil Matters uh, because it helps us reach more people. And today we have three other guests. So we've got Shoko, who probably a lot of you know. <laughs> and Shoko's a classical pianist and a squatter and a resident here at the Green Tribe and maybe the resident gardener as well, which is really lovely. Uh, and I guess I'd say that you also probably are quite open to experimenting with different things in the garden, which I think is quite, quite cool. And then we've got Samantha in the middle here. Samantha lives at the Rex Hamel Bars and has for a long time, um, was for a long time involved with the garden at the RDM at the old site and was a resident there and at, involved with the garden at the Slipfelder and has contributed to lots of different projects over the years around Amsterdam. And I know you also have worked a lot with worm farms and composting and organizing a lot of different workshops around that over the years which is really cool and then here we are just next to me is erica from uh the kinderfrit and um And also for a long, long, long time has uh, done a lot of different things around Amsterdam, I think. Um, but also involved in the garden at the RDM for a long time. Uh, and now at the new site at the Smithfelder. And um, yeah, you also have a lot of knowledge in medicinal herbs and how to make um, different cosmetic products from um, different plants, which is really fantastic. So thank you all for coming on, and uh, it's really nice to have you here. Um, and I guess I was thinking of, um, to start the discussion, maybe we could um, sort of paint a picture of the different gardens that um, you all work in. So, um, like the RDM and the Green Tribe and the Reichshamelbart, so Sort of, I was thinking in terms of what conditions are there in the garden, like what is the soil like, what, how is it set up, do you plant directly in the ground or you need, do you need to build from the ground up, um, is it a very wet place, who's sort of um, around in the garden, who's working there, just to like get a sort of overview of what the, what the space looks like, if you could sort of paint a picture. Whoever wants to go first. Yeah? I can. <laughs> so, talking about the Green S Garden, which is situated now in the north in Slipvelden. 
Um, that's the new site where um, one third of the people who used to live in the old ADM are based now. Um, so yeah, to give you a picture. <laughs> Um, the Greenest Garden started in the old ADM site uh, in 2010 um, when we decided to uh, make a bigger communal garden because people living there, they had their own private spots all over the place uh, but um, the people living there wanted to have a more open space in the sun um, and also people from the city could help out there and that was my luck because I'm not I never lived in ADM I'm not living in Slipfelde, but I love to garden and on the third floor in town I needed something so uh, I was very happy to to start out there but maybe what's more interesting now is to describe the new site uh, in Slipfelde so from the old garden which had to be evicted um, in <laughs> end of 2018, beginning of 2019. Uh, we moved like 12 cubes of soil. Some people around uh, remember this very well. Um, so we, we put it, the earth, which was already after 10 years very rich um, with uh, soil life, with worms and we even had a concert just before eviction, like Save the Worm tour from a German uh, uh, violin uh, player. Um, that's what we were doing, actually, yes, <laughs> We were eating the garden and then taking the earth yeah, out Yeah, first we eviction. were taking the food out yeah. and then the soil um, and the seeds also. Yeah. Um, so we, we brought this soil into the new space. The new space was already very uh, suspected from the beginning because it was uh, old sewage um, like uh, cleaning space the, the water water suivering the water cleaning space from Amsterdam but the sewage uh, water came there and would flow through three uh, or actually six beds um, then uh, the, the dirt would sink down in this space and that's exactly where we got the new space to live and absolutely to do a new garden because I was convinced that it's important to to take over. We, we build a dome there, a greenhouse, which is, well, I'm looking now at a different dome, a white one. So what we have is a, a green one, which uh, is especially for the plants. So we, we moved the dome to the spot and we took out all brambles there first. It was the spot what was not hardened because the hardened space was for, meant for people to live, to put their wagons on or their containers or their stuff. But this was the only space uh, available. And we took out the brambles and we saw reed. So reed means something. It means it's very wet. It's a swamp. <laughs> and Okay, the more brambles we took out there and um, the more space we created, um, the more water <laughs> rise, <laughs> rose. Um, and yeah, it was uh, from the beginning pretty hard to make a garden there. We knew the soil was polluted, but we did an extended, uh, really official um, investigation to test the soil. 
So nice uh, to see that all kinds of pollution are there. Um, a lot of uh, heavy metals, uh, a lot, well, um, they call it uh, the um, oil, what was the name? Well, there is oil from uh, like, uh, yeah, petrol and other stuff. Uh, I just lost the name, I will tell later. And then also the PCB, so plastic pollution. And actually, uh, we don't know if there was also, um, if there is still medicine or something else that people uh, put into the sewage. Um, yeah when they uh, throw things away or from their urinating. So uh, taking into account this, we decided to build beds uh, off the soil with uh, the root um, cloth. So the roots from the plants even could not get there. But uh, then we started on the highest spots where the water was the, the lowest. And then, um, yeah, we had good sun, we have good sun there. I chose the space for the uh, south. Um, and it's not so windy. It's like um, there is an enclosure of, the, of some trees and uh, some uh, wagons on the other side and still a lot of brambles. <laughs> and so then I will tell a little bit about the new space um, we built uh, last, since last November. Um, because in the beginning we, uh, we got from here, from the green tribe, we got willows, we got like branches from willows to, to fight the moist. I was convinced that we should do something. So we planted them along our pathway in the garden and they already, but they only suck water when, uh, from April on. So all winter it kept wet and then in spring it made, it made a big difference. Uh, to have the willow trees there, but um, that was not enough actually. In March, when the garden season starts, I went there and I, I was wearing this um, uh, boot, Dungaree, the yeah. 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 Like the fishing suit. Yeah, like the fishing <laughs> suit. And in, we, we dug some holes to let the water go oh, away, yeah. but oh. when I was walking in this fisher's uh, rubber thing, and um, I wanted to make my way to somewhere I couldn't see the holes anymore because the water was over the knee deep. And then um, I would put my feet in the holes because I couldn't see them and I would fall Aww. flat on my belly and on my face in the water. So it was kind of... <laughs> and I was the only one working Very in the garden great. because people could not come there. They, they won't have this fisher suit. They, they wouldn't be in the garden to help me. So it was a bit of a... Uh -huh. And then finally someone came back uh, from uh, Italy and he was really into dig um, a canal. So a small canal. Uh, uh, I know that one. Yeah. And that is the newest thing. Well, when it was dug, um, there came a lot of space in an area which was also full of brambles before. And um, I was uh, walking there with uh, Kiera. She's doing a lot of stuff in the garden too. We get back to that later. And we both had kind of nice vision when we saw the kennel. We thought this could be a really great like food forest uh, border. 
So because this open space was uh, lined out with bigger trees uh, like poplars and um, smaller trees and it became an open, an open yeah, way beside the canal we have a path and um, now that's our new medicinal food forest border it became. I love to work with herbs so we have them there a bit like with an overview and with some kind of nice primitive signs <laughs> and then uh, yeah it is also a space where workshops and stuff could be but also many people love to walk their dogs on the path out on the, the street is the entrance a very long introduction maybe <laughs> but I hope you see a bit of the picture or otherwise uh, come by on the Friday afternoon actually I've been at the Rijkshemelvaart for two years only, one day after the eviction of uh, Adiem. <laughs> um, so I don't know the gardens there that well, but um, after learning from Deborah, who's in the audience, I always mention she knows you. <laughs> I mentioned Deborah several ah, times so. from Demo Town. Yeah. Um, Urbania Hoover, I, uh, I learned a lot there. Um, I went my way because I do a lot of upcycle work. So I integrated the idea of upcycle materials and upcycle your garden. It's not pure permaculture, but it's bringing the two elements together. And that seemed to be my path. So then I continue to Dale, I call them Dale Town. So it's a shares garden, like your Andale. It's your shares, use your brain. Um, and I started one in the Yasmina in Amsterdam North with Aimira, um, which was hilarious because there was a bit of reclaimed garden land behind some uh, boarded up houses um, and they wanted to do something with this oh you do stuff with gardens do you want to do stuff with gardens there and I went yes and if you're asking about the soil it was an interesting project because they had to put snippers because they'd smashed all the gardens to make it not desirable for the youth youth to hang out um, but there was nothing there so they wanted it to be a garden to make it look nice you know, and, and be living, but I didn't trust the ground because it was freshly smashed, just got snippers. So I made boxes um, with that observation. And actually it was the squatters from that row of houses that helped make sure the garden happened. And we used an old bath. We didn't have a water supply, so we caught rainwater in the bath. Um, I asked the people destroying the houses if we could use the stashed doors to make a cuss with the with the glass and actually the children of the area came and helped and I taught them how to use power tools so uh, you asked about the soil um, that was an interesting exercise in doing something that still keeps something alive it's, it was an introduction to community gardening I don't go high I'm not in, I'm not intellectual very much I'm, I'm hands-on and I just give people a taste of something so that they work together and it's a, a bit of a social permaculture as well I go to Erica or Deborah if I need to know stuff about plants but um, so that was one exercise the other exercise was the looter afterwards um, I'd already had the experience of the jasmine garden uh, and I went there and it's large today and it used to be a tennis court so again I finally got my education to Dutch ground. It's like everything's sand for half a meter 
for as long as they haven't built on it again. So that's a, a good knowledge to have if you want to set something up anywhere in Holland. You'll be confronted with this because you don't know what's underneath the half meter for trees. And you, you, you don't know what's in the, the soil that they put because it's usually rubbish, it's rubble or sand. Um, so they had that and they'd left it for 10 years. So there was reeds because it was all morassy. So um, I used logic. I'm a simple gardener. So I used logic and I put three layers of bicycle packaging cardboard, big pieces of cardboard. I did it at Deborah's garden actually as well. I, we, we hunted bicycle packaging uh, and then we did large, like three, four, five, six layers of cardboard and walked on it. Remember to walk on it. And then you can make your own earth. You, you keep the paths clear, even from reed, um, and you create your own earth. You start creating your own pathway, clearway, basis for what you want. Um, and then remember to use shallow plants, whatever you're doing. Anyway, and now I'm at the right side. That was a beautiful exercise. Luta, loved it. And the rest was in boxes because you can't trust the earth, and I didn't have money for a really expensive soil test. And it was a short term. It's a, also a reclaimed space, so we weren't really sure how long we were going to be there. So if the worst comes to the worst, you fork the boxes or you dig the earth or put it in big bags, as you learn there, and, and take it with you, for goodness sake. Fertile soil is super valuable. It's amazing. And now I'm at the Hamelfart, and what's interesting about the Hamelfart is who's listening um, they had a they, they were they were growing uh, they were growing uh, green stuff uh, for quite a long time with that special soil with um, perlite in it so there's a lot of that around and the real soil seems to be pretty okay because it's right in the middle next to a government building and they they just clipped the fence and took five more meters and turned that into gardens at some certain point and they discussed it for two years as a group and that didn't happen so then people autonomously made their own gardens, but then again, you have social, social permaculture. So you have autonomous gardens. As soon as COVID started, we all just bought loads of sheep seeds and shared them. So that's a social cohesion. And your question about the soil, I'll come back to that. It's not necessarily the soil that's a problem there. And um, because we created our own, I made boxes with horse manure, with Yefto, with my specific garden. Yassin's amazing, he'll always make sure it's good soil. But it's the dust, it's the fine dust coming from the motorway that people... So, yeah, so there's another fact, it's the air. You know, they're also next to... Yeah, Slippy's yeah, yeah. next to the motorway as well. You're right in the middle of the road. Yeah. So the fact, people, was, everyone's saying to me, like, we don't want to eat stuff from your garden because of the fine dust. So the next thing is to, to think about how to catch particles and still feel good about what you're eating. So it's not only the soil underneath, it's the air above to think about. I'll leave it like that for now. Yeah. There's many different things to think about. Yeah, thanks a lot. I've only got like more questions from hearing you are. Uh-oh. There you go. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, hi. Uh, so about garden, how it started, the how it's grown to you, the question. Yeah, uh, so yeah, in this place, it was uh, many widows when we got this place. Widow everywhere, so first we start cutting widows and make space for our living space and gardens. And of course, uh, this ground was... Um, 
like 20 years ago, they were building and that was also squatted. Yes! <laughs> the elf was yeah. a great place. Yeah, that was elf. <laughs> elf. Maybe someone is here from elf, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Somebody, yeah, like uh, it was party place, a lot of party going on, rainbow gathering, sharing. Yeah, yeah I was not magic there, kitchen. so okay, magic kitchen, it was great squad, but it, they got evicted 20 years ago and wow. they destroyed the uh, buildings too. And after that, they put sun everywhere in this ground. And after that, nothing happened. So, what happened is just uh, trees uh, uh, took took over the old land naturally uh, all widows widows is the, the like beginning of the uh, yeah most fast uh, tree that comes to the ground that is the easy growing tree so yeah you see the big tree behind there that also widows and then back there it's a bit foresty area that um, yeah there are many different trees also growing there but the middle part was anyway it was just only the willows and not much other uh, other trees or just grass maybe a little bit wheat but it was not so wet this place was not so wet mm. so but uh, the soil itself so we got not some so soil uh, from uh, what's Momentum Amsterdam, mm. the, the, the city hall Amsterdam cut trees and they uh, composted the trees and make soil from the trees from Amsterdam and we got uh, soil from that company and made a garden bed. First we put cardboard. Me personally, I don't like this um, plastic uh, cardboard. It's less What's now. It? It's less now since the new owner um, a bit. Well, the plastic is less. Yeah. 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 The plastic the in the soil. Yeah. It's less. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. Well, it stays yeah, when there. When we bought our, when we bought our, because we bought it the soil twice, and there was a yeah. huge difference between yeah. the first and the second. It changed yeah. owner. Oh, oh really? Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. a difference. Right. Because yeah. <laughs> the first time, yeah, there were chunks of plastic and, and glass. People were like, yeah. let's not buy it again. But and then we bought it again because it's just so yeah. cheap, and it yeah. is like a big. Yeah, so cheap for a beginning product, yeah. and then. Uh, but that was then also very young, uh, not composted for more than three months. The yeah. first one was really young soil. Yeah. The second one was. Uh, you can uh, ask for older soil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We also did that yeah. the second time. So then I, but, um, that was the whole reason. But I guess uh, just part of the reason that mm -hmm. it improved so much. Yeah, I think so. But anyway, we put cardboard on the bottom of the garden bed and create a garden bed on top of the uh, cardboard. And that's what the, how we made the garden bed in the green fry. And keep adding uh, horse manure. Uh, this year I want to try some soil behind the, uh, the fence. There's a little bit forest area, a lot of... Uh, uh, dead leaves are there, mm -hmm. so and very composted soil there, it's really soft and brownish. So, yeah. I want to try mm -hmm. yeah. use that soil. Yeah, we also have a similar thing that outside of the fence, then there is soil, <laughs> but like everything up to the fence line is sand. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it's a similar thing to what you were describing. 
and, and then we have yeah small squatted garden. And it's a little bit sh well large squatted garden, but <laughs> off the squat. <laughs> but it's a bit shady is the only trouble. Uh, yeah. But otherwise, yeah. So mixed results so far. But I'm gonna try again next year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wanna go for it. Tell a, sh a short secret about what we did last year. Instead of buying the soil, there were some gnomes <laughs> walking around with wheelbarrows, and they came also <laughs> from behind the fence. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you move. The fence me. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, Other strategy. Yeah. <laughs> there are many ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, yeah, it's, um, I guess I'm really intrigued by, I think it's, yeah, really fantastic that you went to all of that effort to move 12 cubes of soil. Digger. <laughs> and two two cube bags. I'm yeah. Cleaning two cube bags. We had lots of fun. Yeah. I'm very glad to hear you had the help of the digger. Yeah. Must. Yeah. And um, yeah, and the, the yeah, it's unfortunate that the site at the RAM is so polluted. Um, and I know you've gone to a lot of efforts to remediate the soil. Yeah. And I wonder if you want to say something about that and um, how, yeah, what you what you've done there and how you think it's going. Um, whether you you see any signs of success or when you expect to see that or how you will know. Um, yeah, you can say something. Yeah, the remediation. What we uh, started, actually, uh, the main uh, person is Chiara. She is uh, moving uh, mushrooms from the town of Van West. They grow mushrooms there to, to sell commercially. Uh, they don't uh, put the mycelium, they get it from somewhere else. Um, but they have these substrates uh, from the wood sawdust and they already the myceliums of different uh, mushrooms are in like the king oyster other yellow oyster namaki japanese oh, wow. and yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, shiitake and she is uh, putting the mainly well all of them in uh, in the parts where the food forest is but lately uh, it's uh, also in the back of the area where people living and uh, where they also want to clean the soil more because mm, it's very known from the oyster mushroom that it can get out and the word I was looking for was mineral oil it can get out the mineral oil uh, of the soil and uh, there is a, a range of different mushrooms who can do different tricks uh, different pollutions. Um, I try to, meanwhile, I try to uh, look up, but it's pretty hard, the plants and trees who can clean the soil. But I'm so happy to find out, found out to that poplars are very good to get out the heavy metals. And we happen to have, um, yeah, a lane or along the roadside where we have the new um, food forest um, border there is all poplar growing and they are already pretty big so that means since 
a while since many years already they suck out the heavy metals and they they keep it in their in the wood so it's totally out of the soil but then um, at one point we wanted to make the hugels so the hills what you mm. make with the wood uh, to make new beds and then you cover it um, and the wood will compost uh, and decomposed under the underneath the earth then it was a what okay don't use the poplar wood because you it's will re release <laughs> all the the heavy metals again but anyway this remediation is a really nice idea but there is still a big problem because there is no point of waste where you could drop your mm. mushrooms or your wood what will take it out in the case of mushrooms it's known that they will diminish the amount of pollution so in a way over many years you could reach a point where the pollution is very uh, much diminished mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah you want the, um, when I was doing compost toilets there was and it's, it's similar to this it's like how do you deal with the waste from the waste the waste from the waste from the waste you've, you've done your remediation you've cleaned something you've turned it into something else useful um, but then you, you bury it in someone else's backyard or yeah but the other thing is some things just don't break down yeah it's also an acceptance Deborah wants to say something because she's she's gone deeper into the rabbit hole the poo hole than we have <laughs> she wants no she's <laughs> Just, this just one is the one for the radio. How do you break down heavy metal? How do you break down elements that just don't want to break down? Well, I would urge people to um, not uh, focus on breaking them down. I would urge people to not be afraid of the soils, but to Shoko, come back. Come back. Come back. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Private message. Um, no, to, um, er, I would urge people to, um, stabilization is important, that we shouldn't focus on an impossible physical aspect of breaking, breaking down. down something that cannot be broken down. There is pollution on the earth. We need to focus on stabilizing it and putting it where we can handle it, which means we plant things that are, that don't uptake the, um, which um. is relatively simple mm -hmm. and that we should not waste our it is it's very inspirational and I um, can only applaud what I've heard uh, so much from from your stories from both of your stories but I would <laughs> urge us all to not fear the soil even if it is uh, what we call contaminated with metal definitely with metal do not fear this because what needs to happen to soil that's contaminated with metals um, is it needs to be stabilized so that it doesn't erode in the wind, it doesn't enter the water table, mm -hmm. and that it is not uptaken mm -hmm. by the food that we eat. So it was uptaken by the poplar. You don't have to remove it. You have to keep it still. In the poplar. Mm -hmm. So it's still <laughs> in the poplar. And you need to not plant who do not um, uptake the metals into the food part that you eat. And that's actually not very many plants. 
yeah. so it's certain families <laughs> so you have to yeah. not worry about the thing that you would not be able to fix with regard to the um, the mineral oils and the, the plastic uh, pocks and the pops all those things are very um, indeed very dangerous but they need the soil needs to not enter the water table so it needs to be stabilized needs to not um, be affected by wind and water erosion and that is exactly what you're doing and after that there must just not be uptake that is most plants grow your spinach and your amaranth family in a different soil medium mm -hmm. but that's all that's all I wanted to say so that people yeah. aren't afraid of the soil. Yeah, thanks. Oh, thanks for sharing. Thanks, yeah. I wanted it's to offer a phone over any of them, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks a lot, Deborah. Um, where, well, where to from there? Do you want to say anything in response to that? Do you have any initial words? Yeah, what what I'm looking for actually, like you talked about the Amaranth family, it it would be very great to have more sources about this because when I when I'm on internet and I'm looking for what plant can help or what takes it in or not, then it's totally taken over by commercial um, big companies who want to keep the secret uh, with them and not uh, tell you, you can buy the information on a site. <laughs> I think it's something everyone has the right to know. For example, I could find that pumpkins would really take it in themselves and uh, also the mustards. Um, but if, if you ever find a source, a book or some other internet source where things come together, I totally try to find me because I'm looking for it, really, mm. for plants especially. For mushrooms, there is already uh, good books. Uh, yeah. All right, and then, yeah, and well, how do you, yeah, and how do you, what is the vision then for the remediation? Um, um, at the moment, so with the thought that mushrooms could make it less, people want to do it. Uh, there is much, there is a big difference now because the mushrooms are still in the substrate, so they're not yet totally in the soil. So people are very happy to eat from it as well. Although, yeah, later on that might be not so handy. But the idea is that the mycelium will be everywhere in the soil. There is a beautiful thing of the mycelium. It, it helps and connects plants, and I think it's a beautiful addition to the garden and the whole area anyway, and it looks like fairy tales sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really amazing. But um, yeah, the remediation, it's, it's just also happening from by itself, I see, because just discovering that the mustards are really good to take uh, pollution there is growing by itself mustards there is the reed growing already grasses are also good at it uh, bigger ones and uh, so the trees who are already there so i mainly want to discover actually what is um, what is doing what and then looking what you told what you asked like how do you see it or 
I think only another test in a few years would can can prove things, but um, I trust that it will help, and that makes me feel better to grow uh, things around. Already on the food forest edge, I must say we don't grow in crates. Um, that is the higher part of the whole bassin system in the beginning, so I trust on the fact we did a little bit of soil test and even a water soil test, uh, water test, like uh, to see how polluted it is there. Much less um, heavy metals in the water in the little canal. Uh, I see the oil floating on it, so that's one thing. So we even have mushrooms inside the water ditch uh, to get it out. Um, what, what I want to say is, is I already trust that part more, and uh, especially for the poplar trees who are growing there already. We, we, plant, we have planted berries and I have all the medicinal herbs. I mean, for cosmetics and small amounts of herbs, I, I feel already comfortable by that. I can, I can add something about the fine stuff as well, because there's like under and over. Mm. And uh, basically I use like simple logics, because I, I I'm not good at reading big heavy books. So it was like, uh, okay, the motorway is that way, um, the sun's coming that way to the garden I take care of anyway. So we just left some trees like this, which will catch all the crap. Sorry trees, we did say sorry. Um, um, so that you have kind of a natural boundary to, to, to catch, it's like catching dust, yeah, cobweb, like air dust. So that, and so from underneath we keep the soil as clean as possible, worm, worm manure um, and horse manure and uh, we just keep an eye on it as much as possible. I would encourage people to think about that as well. Do you, are you able to see the dust at, at your place or it's just something that you know happens? I've seen it in other places. I haven't seen it at our place but I have seen grimy veggies and then you don't want to eat it and it's just common sense. I, I would say, you know, any book you read I'm a super simple house Deborah. I'm like, it's, it's like, just use common sense. Like, look where you are and see what's happening and use the sun direction and the wind direction. And if you know that the motorway is there, then make yourself a natural barrier, which doesn't block the sun. And, and, and or look for shady plants, if you've got a shady place. Mm. And I um, guess if you have a choice, you can try and think about the dominant wind direction and depending how much land you have, try to put your garden yeah because we're because we're talking about reclaimed spaces squatter spaces stuff like this and a lot of them are like next to a road next to a motorway um on on, on polluted lands all of the you above. know all of the above <laughs> all together you know so it's just it's just um you know, use your common sense you don't have to need you don't actually need many books for that as well um then i want to ask you a bit about uh so we've been talking about food forest. I know you also have a background in permaculture. <laughs> no, De Deborah, Deborah has the background in permaculture. Oh. <laughs> no, I, I, did a, I did a basic, basically I'm more, I'm, I'm more acquainted with social permaculture, let's say. But um, I've done, yeah? I want to say I think it's really fantastic that you say social permaculture because permaculture involves the social aspect but a lot of people think of it as only being the garden well basically what i can say about the hamelfart coming back to the hamelfart gardens is i'm very impressed 
by the fact that it, there are autonomous gardens there and people still share. So it's still a free space for the person who decides to do something with it um, and in their own way, which provides diversity. It doesn't mean that you have to slave an Erica to death in order for something to happen. Um, no, it, not necessarily that, but you don't have to wait for an Erica for something to happen. Mm. I just realized that in a conversation recently, somebody's like, oh, I really want to be like Erica Hedgley. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, she, <laughs> she, has to, she has to take care of everything, or, or you know, or Deborah. And, and it's like, um, when you have diversity of interest, diversity of knowledge, diversity of capacity, um, then you can go far. And as, as soon as the lockdown happened, we just went, right, who's got what? Okay, and who, uh, yeah. And we, you know, um, um, I personally decided to invest in seeds and I had a seed bank and other people had seed banks. Um, it was the first time I saw lots of people getting together without discussion. And it's like, we're going to make sure we can feed ourselves. Um, and, and that's what it's about. That's why you have a garden. You know, and then from that, it's like, well, do you like growing this? Do you know how to, do you like growing this? Do you know how to grow this? And does it grow in your garden? Three questions, really important. So I'm a broad fairy. So it's like what we introduced was, um, okay, well, Melda, red Melda. Um, I was like, please take it. And I introduced the concept to them. It's like, if it doesn't grow in my garden, it'll grow in your garden and we can share it. And that for me is social permaculture. So plants, I'll go to everyone else, but making it happen, I'm, there's, it's quite simple, actually. Does that make sense? Yeah. I want to ask a question about um, choosing what things to grow, and we've already spoken about um, And I know you're really interested in different, more, what we would call wild herbs, and then how do you decide whether that goes in sort of the, um, you know, what we traditionally call the garden, or this goes in the more food forest area, and how do you make those decisions? Well, you, you mix it everywhere. I mean, it's very important that wild plants who come from themselves in a certain spot, they are wished for. I mean, um, often they add or take something from the soil that is like not in balance so um, mainly it's not weeding too much around and I also love to talk with people about what wild plants you can eat and what they can help you with like a medicine so um, actually I'm a bad weeder <laughs> it's a uh, like a before a workshop on I think you're in for foraging, yeah, yeah. Then I tell everyone not to weed because we need those <laughs> plants for showing and tasting. But um, anyway, the with us in the at the end, the the food forest border is um, has become a medicinal one. So on purpose, yeah. I put uh, wild plants there and I try to to sow them as well, but that's a bit harder. Um, you just have to find the more aggressive one than the one that's already growing. Yeah, 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 <laughs> well, we can, but uh, that is a decision. But uh, when they pop up somewhere, think about what can I do with them and why they are here. Yeah. 
for example, what was it? Brand nettle. They show that there's something specific in the earth. I'm really crap. Yeah, nitrogen. <laughs> nitrogen is uh, yeah. the thing, but they also give it. Choco, Choco. Please, please. Yeah, yes, exactly. We are your talking turn. too much. Your turn. It's your home uh, space. This year I had a really interesting uh, experience with the bardo. I got okay. uh, soil from Ibe. Uh, they composted this soil there for a couple of years and I yeah, still a little bit of soil because I knew that it's very nutritious uh, soil. So I put it on around uh, my garden bed. Next year I had, but this year I have a full of butterfly there. And <laughs> That's great. Yeah, you can eat roots, you can yeah. make tea from it, and it's just really healthy. So liver cleaning. Mm. Mm. So yeah. uh, I want to keep this part of garden as a part of garden forever. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then. Um, yeah, maybe if you want to say something about, uh, <laughs> well, the different types of, so we've talked about establishing the soil and um, remediating the soil, but the different types, different ways of adding nutrition to the soil um, through the worm farm or through plants or through <laughs> other types. And uh, if you have some tips or tricks or stories, you want to share? Okay, I can go with the worm farm. The worm? Um, personally, uh, as, a, as a waste management person, uh, I would just make sure everywhere you go and everywhere you settle as a, as a group that you ensure that your food waste, your waste is incorporated directly back to the garden in a sensible way. And there are many different types of compost that you don't even have to turn or change. You, you come come pass by but it's like um, there's there's a worm farm for fresh stuff and your coffee and your cardboard waste even as well uh, there's hot compost which will do about anything else there's aerobics and anaerobics how I teach people you know <laughs> I remember it that way you know there's stinky shit that you'll always find in every garden as long as you got uh, Um so you can always find a way to treat your garden to give it life. What I noticed with this earth that you get from the council is dead most of the time. You have to bring it back to life. So you can either find, go to the, late, the horse the menage to get horse manure to start off with. Um, that's one way of doing things and it's one type of uh, manure. Then you've got worm manure, you've got chicken manure, you can just call it all manure and it's got different levels of acidity or earthy net, you know, general, nu general nutrients. Uh, anaerobic's pretty heavy shit. You have to also, uh, you can dilute it and spray it or add it and it also depends, I learned with Deborah, um, about the, um, uh, how strong your fertilizer is on your seedlings. Tomatoes, for example, they don't like really strong fertilizer so it's also a knowledge about uh, how to give nutrients to what I learned a lot last year is it enough to just add things to the surface of the soil and does this go down to the roots if you just put things on top no yeah, so, no, it's, no, there's also other methods like change, changing the place 
of the plants, mm -hmm. which I learned from the iPlane garden. They did wonderful courses for that too, also a social project. Um, and you can do a whole course about how you, um, which plants you rotate and how, so that you feed the soil different things just from the plants that you seed. I am not knowledgeable about which plants, but I know that it's a system that works. Yeah, but in small <laughs> gardens, I mean, we're not talking about really agriculture. In smaller spaces, I do not so much rotation, actually, uh, but the companionship is yeah. more important awesome. to me. And as Aww. well, the... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true, good company in the garden. Um, I want to say short thing about some experiment that we are not really happy with now at the moment in yes. the ADM. It's also the it's the aquaponics what we have there. It's oh. uh, another manure, <laughs> but the fish one. Um, the, so fed worm poo to keep it alive. Yeah, you can do it <laughs> vegan. Now it's not vegan if you have worm poo actually. You, no. All the poo. <laughs> no, it's vegan. It's vegan. They only eat vegetables. They can eat poo, right? If it's not I'm not going to do the discussion, but there's, I'm, I'm not even but vegan myself, no worms totally, in it. so... No. Yeah, the worms are sort of kept in captivity, I guess, but... Oh, okay. yeah, that's the... That's hard, a, but hard. we will do this in your workshop, this yes, discussion, uh, next Friday it. from yes. 5 o'clock in yes. the... <laughs> right. uh, but what I want to say about this, uh, it was a really enthusiastic person who wanted to, to learn us how to put on the system technically and then uh, it, it is like you have, uh, you need electricity somehow to have the motor going on to the pump uh, to from one basin where the fish are, the water is pumped uh, in circular way through a bed and you can grow plants without earth, which is already a bit against yeah, my natural feelings. Yeah, but he was so enthusiastic and I think we are open to, to uh, more people than uh, where we are. But after a year of almost a year waiting for the fish to come <laughs> in the system, <laughs> So we had a really good growing of garlic and mint and uh, even uh, <laughs> some easy stuff with only the worm poo in the bassin yeah. and no fish. And now the fish are there and okay, uh, I had a sisho plant, a herb um, from Japan, which is also doing really well. Now the fish are there, mm. um, but um, we don't like this. Uh, to have fish in one cubic um, water reservoir, we don't like to use them like this. First, because we were talking about waste, I was thinking it's it's really perfect because compost is made of well, when you put your kitchen uh, scraps in the compost, you don't uh, throw your rice, cooked rice, or some bread and stuff like that. So my first idea about the aquaponics was, hey, this is the missing link. The fish can eat the rice and the bread. Yeah. But it appears that the African catfish we got from the guy Special are fishes. only like, like eat to actually they eat meat, but we feed them beans okay. at the moment. Okay. And then uh, we heard afterwards when we got the fish already yeah. in, we heard that they cannot bear the winter here, so they will probably die. 
So I'm sorry to tell this, Somebody but I think it, it, we, we can be honest like yeah. about failures in our gardens. Um, I learned a lot. <laughs> um, mentioned like seeds and trans sharing plants a few times and um, like and I know yeah it's very common to buy seeds from the supermarket and or from other gardening centers but there's also seed sharing initiatives around Amsterdam and how important is it to to share seeds and to use um, other people's seeds or is it just saving costs or does it make such a difference? Shook. Well, yeah. So yeah, if you can create your own seeds, so you're not gonna be depending depending on the company anymore, and also you can get a plant that probably survive in the certain climate that, yeah, uh, that's probably better for your gardens or like maybe other gardens, but you, you support indigenous species of the plants, uh, you get more diversity of the vegetables in your gardens if you use local seed or relate to the more wider kind of plant mostly much stronger than just a plant from uh, your yeah, garden house or whatever then maybe you don't need to feed them so much or you don't need to do so much to maintain the crops mm -hmm. that's that is kind of like i'm to get more local seed or seed that mm -hmm. somebody grows in their garden and succeeded and they you know that that's probably fit, fit in your garden too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good for this area, otherwise yeah. they're making these seeds, sending packaging them in factories and sending them out yeah. around the world. Yeah, yeah. depending yeah. on so the little all the time. So basically if anyone's listening that's not familiar with this subject already, basically it's the cycle of to break the cycle of buy a seed buy fertilizer, fuck the land, don't have something that's going to grow more than once. That's basically the commercial system. Um, and then you have to add more fertilizers next time around. And then you have to get new seeds to, that are can go into the fertilized ground because it's not, com it's not local. Um, what, what is normal, let's say, is that you have an earth and seeds that uh, compatible with each other and then like Shoko just said is that you have a stronger plant because it's a stronger soil and you know exactly what's in the soil so we're adding the, the, the factor of the fertilizers and the care and you know what's in it basically most most let's say Monsanto or commercial seeds they have a coating on them as well that makes it difficult to grow yeah yeah, to protect them to from uh, from fungi in uh, yeah, 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 yeah. before yeah to yeah. keep them yeah. yeah yeah I wanna add a little 
funny thing we are preparing actually. Um, we are preparing um, s small, well, we start small, I think, uh, a seat library in the Slipfelder. So that means that people can come over, uh, pick their seats. Uh, I want to promote to just only add the seats what you grow in yourself so you exactly know what it is and it comes from the the region then when you are living in Amsterdam um, so what what is the seed library different from seed banks or exchange is that you can come and pick your seeds and if you grow them leave some up to flowering pick the seeds again and next year come in and add your seats. Um, I heard that in the north in Groningen I think and maybe also region Utrecht they have really already good functioning mm. libraries okay. but around here not yet but yeah as we are all busy people sometimes uh, this this project is already uh, setting up now but it will take some time before we will have a good amount of uh, homegrown seats but um, yeah, welcome later to grab your stuff. We will announce something then. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And I'm going to say, I think um, I've got one, maybe two more questions. And then time I think it's up. time to wrap it up. We've been talking for a long time. Uh, I want to ask the audience if anyone has a question or wants to think about a question, then we have um, some time for that and three very knowledgeable interesting people up here and Deborah also in the audience yeah 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 <laughs> um, but lastly I would yeah be, I'm really curious uh, if you can say something about why it's a, yeah why it's so important to have a garden in these spaces why is it important to have um, to use medicinal herbs as an alternative to pharmaceuticals or to use herbs to create cosmetics as alternatives to the cosmetic industry um if you can say yeah something about that that would be really fantastic yeah so um already a while ago it happened that a friend of mine was uh, breaking the ribs and I was looking for some herb or something to help out and uh, it was very easy to find this wild plant because it grows everywhere here in, uh, in the area. It's a comfrey, smearwortel, mm. and it was like totally not in any shop around so you could get it online but I thought what weird this is something that is really known for and it is a strong working uh, medicine so I thought well then I make it myself and then I can help my friend with it so that's how it all started to to be conscious of uh, not only against the pharmaceutical industry but there are lacks uh, of course they try to keep out all these simple remedies uh, from their Thing. What is what is happening actually that um, the whole plants are extracted in chemical substances in the pharmaceutical industry 
um, that they might be um, yeah, very strong in, in your medicine, what you buy. But um, I am convinced that when you use the whole plant or the parts of the plant directly from the plant, that it's much more balanced than mm -hmm. just yeah. uh, having the specific uh, chemical substance. So I already believe that this is more meant for the human body. Um, so maybe in really dangerous and heavy cases of illness, I would recommend uh, to, to have some doctor's help of course of course and you need i mean i'm still a beginner in i'm studying it in my way but i cannot pretend anything to to have for people who are ill or or have their problems that uh that we can save them in this way though i want to inspire people to think otherwise that they could help with simple uh, you know, with the uh, trout egg, some, some other stuff that you could have the willow bark for a little bit of um, painkiller, that, that things are all around us and they're beautiful and maybe I hope to um, be a bit older and be able to, to, you know, know more and more and more because it's a fascinating world and it's so strange that we're cut off the natural way of um, healing ourselves with the plants. Um, so that's one thing and I always also advise people to uh, be very careful, don't use the plant with the alkaloids for example, that's uh, what we call poison plants. They have some healing ability but more in specific homeopathic, um, uh, you know, way for dunning. Um, Solution, yeah. yeah. So that's Things very specific. Just don't experiment. Diluted. Dilute it. Okay. Uh, but there is a lot what you can make yourself and what can help yourself. Like for example, the valerian root to calm you down. The lemon balm, citron melissa. Also for for women, it's really a nice relaxing thing during menstruation. You have a lot of herbs. So what I put in, in, in this um, medicinal um, forest uh, border um, is uh, simple, uh, not dangerous herbs, what you could apply for um, simple, not too bad diseases. Um, so, and the other thing is this, how nice it is to make um, a shampoo for free. I mean, uh, from your stuff growing around, just take the nettles, the rosemary, uh, some um, ivy <laughs> for the soapy quality or some chestnuts, uh, horse chestnuts for the same soapy thing. Oh, really? How funny yeah, yeah. How f and, and how nice and it feels. It. I mean, uh, it might be not as long um, hout bar, um, but you, you should put it in it. some, yeah. yeah. You, sh uh, you should keep it. No, it doesn't last as long maybe. Uh, even you could put some alcohol in some products or some vitamin uh, C from the lemon or some other things to keep up the, the time you can use it. But make small amounts, do it more yes, often. Yeah. Just make small amounts and, and use them. Look what it does with you, look if you like it, check it out, experiment with it. So cosmetics is even less dangerous to do. I mean, it's. Yeah. I, I really like to inspire people to, to try it out and, and some... Uh, 
some like it. Mm. <laughs> Can I yeah. add, yeah, yeah, add yeah. something? To compliment you, actually. No. It's a compliment. Well done, Erica. <laughs> the, 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 um, uh, I, I'm doing uh, Ivy. So basically what you can do, I'm doing washing liquids from Ivy. I'm doing a nice experiment with that at the moment. So at the same time, I'm again doing waste management <laughs> and then using it. But I just learned recently that people want a whole liter and it's like, no, nature provides what you need. Take what you need, use it, and then find some fresh stuff again. There will always be what you need, nature provides. And secondly, another perspective on taking care of yourself is like, you don't have to wait till something's wrong before you can do plant medicine. You can actually boost your immune system and get your body used to it. Because for example, we're not used to, um, I tried out dandelion tea instead of coffee. And like anything that tastes like that must be healthy for you because it's just too heavy duty. But basically we're not used to eating that kind of greens anymore and using those kind of medicines. So it's also getting used to the, the natural medicines that are uh, the natural herbs that are there for you to keep you healthy. It's not only waiting to take medicine. It's it's just a daily use. Yeah, nibble them. The, the, the nibble them. Yeah. Just but just get used to the taste. Get used to your body. Like like Erica explained, it's a whole balance. It's a whole balance. So that's why it's good for you. So if you do it in small doses every day, your iron will be plenty good. You know. It's, it's just basic logics again, but getting used to it. We're not used to it anymore. Right, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, I, I used to live in Japan, and I always got this anti, uh, like, anti... Histamine. Not histamine. Anti-inflammatory? Uh, like, like kill the old bacteria things. Uh, antibiotics. Antibiotics. Ah. For anything, if I get uh, got cold or flu, the doctor has prescribed anti uh, biotics. biotics. And yeah, I used to this kind of medicine. I, I always had a lot of medicine when I was there. And since start living here, yeah, doctor doesn't prescribe the antibiotics anymore, and I need to fight uh, for the flu myself and. Yeah, without any pills, and it was hard in the beginning. I really had the struggle with my health for a couple of years, but after that, I definitely felt much more confident about my health, and now I'm start using more garden stuff to heal my whatever, like a cold or headache or uh, any kind of things. Then I yeah feel more know about my body than before instead of asking to doctor like what's happening on my body i start observing my body more than before and yeah just feel more connection with myself and my body and that's uh, yeah i think that was really great change for my life and yeah i feel more easy to live on this earth because there's a lot of plants that's actually very useful so you can just do it or take it without paying money or like asking somebody. So, <laughs> yeah. and I think feeling connected to this surroundings also, also. Yeah, yeah. yeah, local surroundings is yeah. just super important. And so often, I just say life will 
but maybe other people too feel really lost in the world and um, sort of maybe a bit meaningless also and I think then to feel like an interaction and relationship with plants and what's growing and what's living in the more natural world around me then really helps me feel a bit like settled and uh, a place of belonging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess, yeah, the last thing um, that I, yeah, I'll just, does anyone have a question? No? No? Are you sure? Okay, <laughs> does anyone here have a question? Or something to say? No. Well, I just want to also say that um, I think it's really, well, we spoke about it on the phone, that it's really another great thing about having a garden in spaces like this, in squatted spaces, is that gardens are also just really appreciated by a lot of people. Um, they're warm, welcoming, friendly places, and the municipality um, also really like people to have gardens, and they do look um, at uh, squatted spaces with a more friendly um, eye if there is a garden there, if that's part of the space or if that is the whole space. So it's an extra sort of uh, maybe like uh, security or insurance, just a little bit if you have a garden there mm -hmm. too. It's, well, it, it, it's also a way of getting in touch with the neighbours because yeah. most of them don't have a garden. <laughs> so they will definitely come there even if it's only to one, two or three times. <laughs> um, so you, you can easily make a connection with the neighbors even if it's just we, we found out at the looters like some people just want to come to sit in a nice place for a cup of tea and that's also okay you're sharing the space it's for everyone it's not just for squatters especially not <laughs> yeah I uh, remember that uh, that was happening in Bayersdorf for mm. example a lot because it was in the middle of office uh, buildings mm. and uh, people from the office on Friday afternoon they <laughs> love to sit there and drink their their beauty uh, um, yeah and I think it's totally logic people human human beings are always they need nature and green and plants plant life animal everything around them so it's a must in this city world where where it's lacking of the the garden greens the bigger well the parks are there course and then uh, this uh, yeah <laughs> so this uh, as well I promoted a lot for children like that they can already start with the to, to think it's normal to be in a garden to grow stuff to see how you get your Apple. Mm. I mean, how that things come into the shop is often that in the city. Yeah, that yeah, it's not dirty. Yeah, that, yeah, that <laughs> it's yeah. not oh. dirty. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Great, point, great point. Well, thank you all so much for making some time today, especially today because it's very busy. Mm. But, um, and it was yeah, really lovely and interesting to um, have this moment to ask you questions and talk to you and sit together. Thank you Thank for you. the opportunity. Yeah. 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 Nice. Uh, <laughs> if you enjoy what you're listening to, please uh, follow Soil Matters on your favorite podcast platform. And please, um, if you're on Apple Podcasts, 
please rate Soil Matters uh, because it helps us reach more people. And thank you all so much for listening. See you next time.